0: Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittiman. This is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by Run For PR's Coaching. Run For PR's Coaching helps runners of all abilities discover their inner strength and potential. They understand how difficult it can be to juggle training, family, career, and other pursuits and are excited to help support you in your athletic journey while pushing you to new heights. Run for PR's coaches work with athletes from all over the world, and they do it using an online coaching platform that allows them to schedule and review your runs, communicate feedback, and hold you accountable. All their coaches are Boston qualifiers with years of coaching experience, and you can learn more about them at runforprs.co or on Instagram. Their handle is, run, is at. I'm sorry, is at run4prs, that's P-R-S. And if you go online and fill out their uh, their questionnaire, make sure that you mention the Rambling Runner podcast is where you heard about their service. Today's episode is with Melissa Becker. Melissa was a guest on the show in January of 2018, and this was one that a lot of people were asking for, and it was just, it was just so, so popular. Um, it was probably one of the the few one of the first podcasts i'd say it's one of the the handful of podcasts that kind of um got, kind of really put the show on in a matter of speaking uh, she had just run a new pr by about a minute and was going through a lot of health stuff at the time and it was just it was an emotional episode she really brought it and it was uh, just one that connected with a lot of people so I would recommend, if you like this episode, to go back and listen to that one. That was a long one. That was like almost an hour and a half. This is a little bit shorter. She just kicked some serious butt at the Indianapolis Monumental Marathon, and I could not wait to talk to her about it. Unfortunately, some of the audio quality left a little bit to be desired, so... There are points where it sounds like um, she's talking over me as I'm finishing a question. I can guarantee you she didn't actually do that. That was just how the audio synced up uh, with our audio recording app. Um, and because of that little confluence of events, there is some some a little bit of like a second or two of dead air after a couple of her answers again. I'm telling you now just so you aren't surprised. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I do want to let you know ahead of time. Um so if you're running right now, don't worry. She is uh, she's not cutting me off. She's a sweetheart. Uh she's ex- also extremely intelligent and so much fun to talk to. So here's my episode with Melissa Becker. Hello Melissa and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. Actually your episode back in January was like one of like the most popular episodes that we've ever oh, really? had it was like it was well first of all it was so required and and then you had just like kicked some serious butt and then you also had a variety of things going on in your life that we're going to talk about in a little bit so everyone was like you gotta have Melissa on and then you did you killed it so I'm definitely excited for you to come back if for no other reason then you just dominated at the monumental marathon in Indianapolis PR 307 congratulations thank you
1: so much I'm so excited. <laughs>
0: Oh, that was huge. And so I, it was funny. You posted your splits after the race and it was like negative split. Yes. Like, it was like exactly what people draw for negative split. So we're going to dive into what you had to do leading up to the race. But what was the race plan going in for you?
1: Um, going into it. You know what? I don't really know. I mean, I know what my race plan was, but what James had for me, my coach James jay Cardi, um, and kind of what I had thought for myself were kind of two different things. Um, he was saying like sub three ten, he was saying like three oh eight. Um, and I was like, I mean, I just don't know. I'm like, I, I think I can do it, but at the same time, we'll just see. So I had uh I was hoping for at least three twelve. Um, so that's a seven twenty pace, uh three oh eight to seven ten. So I was like, that's quite a difference. Um So, uh, yeah, that that kind of the two plans I had.
0: Now, why was he more confident that you could go lower than you were?
1: I think just because he kind of saw it a little bit better than I did. I mean, I – I could see it in like my paces. Like I could see why I was capable of doing what I did this weekend, but you know, I live in Orlando, so it's really, really hot and really humid. And so the efforts that I was running, like, yes, I was running paces that were appropriate for what I ended up running at, uh, Andy, but it just felt so hard in training. Like all of my long runs just were incredibly challenging. Like all the efforts felt more than marathon effort. Um, and it was just kind of hard to know how that was going to translate. Like I hoped it would, and I figured it would because it was going to be colder, but you just never know. I'm like, maybe this is too high of an effort. And so I was just being kind of cautiously optimistic about it.
0: And do you have like, uh, you know, see you as an athlete, is that different than you as a coach? Like, do you feel like you kind of take on that role where like maybe you shoot higher than your athletes do when you're kind of in coach mode?
1: do you mean like, like I have higher expectations for myself than my, my athletes or have higher expectations for my athletes? What do you mean?
0: Yeah. Like the second part where you like, you kind of view your athletes as maybe being capable of more than maybe they realize that. Oh, for
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of the reason. It's great to have a coach. Like I, I can look at what I'm doing and like, sure. Objectively, if I was maybe able to step back from it, I could, like, like I said, like looking back at my training, I'm like, of course, I did. Of course, I did sub 310. Like I was capable of it. But in the moment, it's kind of hard to see that. So having someone to objectively look at your training and say, hey, you've done X, Y and Z, you can absolutely accomplish this because of what you've done in training. And I've had conversations like that with my athletes as well.
0: And also part of that, too, I would assume is just the idea of the cumulative fatigue. It's like you can be aware of someone else's cumulative fatigue, but when it's your yeah. fatigue, it feels like something bigger. Oh, sometimes. for sure.
1: And I was doing pretty high mileage too. So my legs were constantly tired.
0: <laughs> oh, I can imagine. All right. So in our last episode, which was January of this year, you had just come off a of big PR. You were just like completely killed it. You were so over the moon and yet you were weighing these other factors. Like You had just been... You're going in for tests about possibly having breast cancer. You were very open and honest about this. It was a very emotional lead-up yeah. um, for you. So let's just talk about health for a while because it's been, again, you just had you know the race <laughs> of your life, literally. But preceding that, over the like you know the, the the ten months before this race, it wasn't exactly you know all like you know all you know cakes and rainbows regarding like how your health was from start to So finish.
1: January was when I ran celebration and I ran a three twenty three That was actually just a minute of PR. Um, so it was, uh, I was dealing with the breast cancer scare and then I actually was having another Lyme flare up then as well, which was later figured out like, like right after the race. Um, obviously everything was cleared, um, not cancer, just a benign tumor. Um, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> but I found that out probably, I think it was like a week or maybe two weeks after, uh, the celebration marathon ended January. Um, and then I was having a lime flare up and then that was, got better. And then, um, back in July, I started getting sick again, um, with another lime flare up. So, um, lime, <laughs> I actually had lime, um, Epstein bar, which is mono, uh, candida, which is to what I understand. I might be explaining this wrong. It's like a, a stomach yeast infection. I don't know. Um, and some other, just some other like vitamin deficiencies and stuff. So that was July and August of this year.
0: And can you take us really into that? Like when you say you had a Lyme flare up, what exactly does that mean in terms of like medication, symptoms, length of time, how it affects you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I've had... I was first diagnosed diagnosed with Lyme last June, um, like right after it happened, um, after the tick bite. Um, When I'm having a flare, it usually starts with like neuropathic pain. Like I get like a tingling sensation and like it starts usually in the back of my legs. And like, that's usually like the first sign that I have now of like being like, okay, I think I'm having another Lyme flare. Um, I get that in my arms now too. It's kind of gotten, to be honest, like my Lyme has progressed to like neurological at this point. So, And it's gotten like worse each time. So this past time it got really bad where my signs were, like I said, mostly neurological, the tingling. um, I had a lot of like tremors. Like my hands would just shake like nonstop. Um, I had a lot of muscle spasms. um, And it was really weird to actually like see my my leg like twitching um, a lot. Uh, And then my – I think my brain was broken. That's pretty much how I felt. Like I – would be looking at something and not know how to say the word. Like I vividly remember looking at the fridge and just being like, I can't, I don't know what that is. Like I could not find the word for it. Um, and it happened a lot, um, a lot, a lot. That was probably one of the more frustrating things. Um, I would repeat myself a lot. Like I get stuck on a loop. Um, I actually remember one of the first times it happened, I was on an athlete call (laughs) And I said the GPS, 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 and I'm like, oh my gosh! Like I knew I was doing it, but I couldn't stop. Um, It's a very weird and and kind of terrifying thing. Uh, I also get lockjaw. Like my mouth, I would be like yawn or like open my mouth, and it would get stuck open. I have to like forcibly close it. Um, So just all kinds of fun stuff that happens.
0: I it's, it's amazing to me that you can like you know you, you're approaching this this like laundry list of symptoms which none are fun even by themselves <laughs> and combined is like terrifying um and like you're obviously approaching it in a very light-hearted manner but at, in the moment it must be just like such a burden
1: yeah it, it was it was a mess I mean it, at first of course I I could tell it was like this is the worst I've ever been like and the neurological stuff like the not being able to articulate things and losing myself in sentences and, and, and all that was incredibly challenging. Um, but I also have an amazing doctor who, you know, I, I got, we very quickly figured out like, okay, this is neurological Lyme. I got put on an antibiotic protocol. I was actually on, uh, 18 to 22 pills a day, um, for a couple of months. Um, I'm now down to just a couple of them. Um, but I'll be on, antibiotics for a long while to hopefully I they say that it's chronic and it's never going to go away but I am not I I truly think that it'll go away I am hopeful that you know this is going to knock it out for good I don't I don't I just can't see myself being a sick person and this happening over and over again so I'm just kind of speaking it like it's gonna this is it like I'm not gonna have that happen again and just kind of trying to speak it into existence (laughs) um So, yeah, but I've been great now. Like, I mean, once I got on my antibiotics, it took a couple weeks, probably six, six six-ish weeks, and I felt pretty, pretty much back to normal, so.
0: And how does that affect, how does the, how do the pills affect you physically? Like, were you, did you have to take a step back, you know, from, from your training Uh, load? Uh, You're you're obviously, you you also, people who follow you on Instagram are familiar that you also are pretty good about getting in core work and strength training mm -hmm. as well.
1: Yeah. So when I, um when all this started coming up, I, I took quite a step back. I was running like 60 to 65 mile weeks and I jumped it back to like 20, I think I did 20 to 35. Um And it was just kind of like, do what you can, you know, I would do uh my long runs went from like, you know, I should have been building for Indy, And I remember there was like a couple of weekends where I did like five miles and that was the most I could do. And that was okay. You know, I just kind of knew take this step back it's happened before so I kind of know better now like just take the step back and it'll get better a lot faster than forcing it which I had done before I had tried to force it and tried to run you know like 10 milers when my body just could not handle it um so I was a little bit better about it this time um I was really good about doing core work and strength training but to be honest when this happened I was just kind of just decided I have to pick and choose what I'm going to do. So my strength training took a major step back. Like I did not, do. I was like, I'm not wasting any extra energy on that because running is much more important to me than the strength training. So I would do like very light cross training as opposed to what I had been doing before too.
0: Now you're a very positive person as evidenced by just the 10 minutes we've been talking now, like anyone who's listening to this can hear your positivity and you've even expressed it in terms of trying to talk things into existence. So how is it for you to stay positive when things aren't going positively?
1: Um, I don't, I, that's a hard question. I mean, I just kind of think back to things have always turned out fine. You know, like even when, no matter what's happened, you think back to like the worst time in your life, like, things always get better. You know, it's not going to stay horrible forever. I knew that, like I said, that was my fifth flare um, in a year. And I had had so many good seasons and I, I couldn't stay down. I'm like, I'm not going to get all depressed and upset about it um, and just let it ruin my life. That's not who I am as a person. You know, I you got to stay positive. You got to, you know, glass half full. Things could always be worse. You got to, you know, just remember that it's not as bad as, as, you know, as things could be
0: now is part of that just trying to think about things in your life that are positive or do you try to keep like say the negative things that are coming up like I mean objectively negative right like you you have to diminish your training you're not feeling well you have these symptoms like these are objective parts of your life do you just feel like in order to stay positive you try to compartmentalize them and not thinking about them or yeah, not sure. thinking about like sure. how and this I, is affecting I, your future
1: yeah and I just try to take it like a day at a time like there was uh, I Wasn't sure if I was going to be able to run indie, but I was like, I'm not going to think about that yet. It was July and August, like I said, when I was kind of really taking a step back and um, I was just like, you know, just get through this week, you know, you'll figure it out after a week. And then uh, there was no reason to make a decision right then. So, you know, spiraling and thinking like long-term, like, oh no, am I not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z? I just tried to just, like you said, compartmentalize that. Be like, nope, we're just going to focus on right now. You just need to focus on getting well. So rest as much as you can pull back, don't run as many miles, don't try to do these speed work, the speed sessions. Um, I told James, I was like, hey, I need to pull things back like uh, a lot. And so we took way more rest days. Um, I took some time off um, and just kind of focused on taking things a day at a time. You know, And like I said, just focusing on getting better, focusing on running more once I felt better and then going from there and taking it in, you know, increments.
0: And how did this affect short-term and long-term goals for you?
1: Um, I mean, I wasn't able to run. Um, I had two halves. Um, the first one was in July that I ran with um, Laura Pierce. And that one, I was in the middle of, you know, figuring out that I was in a line flare. Uh, and so that one, I was like, I'll just do what I can. And I pretty much matched my half PR. So I wasn't, I wasn't mad about that but at the same time I kind of had to take it like I said just figuring out like do what you can and then just go from there so I knew I matched my PR then I had another one in September that I just completely fell apart at um so it's just kind of I just tried to think okay be objective about this you're in the middle of you know getting over a bunch of illnesses like I said it wasn't just the Lyme; I had mono too. um and so I was just trying to figure out like you know, if, if it doesn't happen now, it doesn't long-term change my fitness. Like I know that I would have been able to get better and figure it out in the next season, if I wasn't able to run Indy or if I wasn't, uh, you know, if I had to take off more time, I'm very lucky that I got better very quickly and I was able to keep running. Um, but if I hadn't been, I would just try to think like, if you don't, if you can't do it this season, that's okay. You know, like it's not the end of the world, you know, there's always going to be another marathon. There's always going to be another race
0: you know, kind of like base training, 60, 65 miles a week through the spring. Uh-huh. And then you obviously decreased it during the flare up July and August. And then you really had September and oh, the first two or three weeks of October to really hit it hard to get ready for Indy in order to kind of like be ready and be tapered. Yeah. So in that six to eight week span, we could really train hard in kind of a traditional training regimen. What did that look like? Sure. Uh, so for you? I
1: was running about like six. 75 mile weeks ish um, I had one workout early in the week and then my long runs most of my long runs had blocks of tempo effort in there um, my suggested marathon pace is around like 7:15 um, and that's an adjusted pace based off of being in Orlando and it being humid so uh, it was kind of pulled back a little bit so I was able to run mostly those tempo efforts around like a 705 to 710 effort.
0: Wow, that is awesome. That is awesome. And now, when you, if you had, say, a tough day, was it hard? Did you have like a push and pull between, like, hey, sometimes people have tough days, or did you have like, did you revert back to, like, oh, is this a sign of something coming up?
1: Oh, in I terms mean, of
0: like, you know, yeah, either a flare I mean, up or something. like that There was
1: tons of tough days just because it was so, like I said, it's very very humid. I did um a bit of my speed work on the treadmill just to kind of get a bit of relief. But I try. I did all my long runs outside. Um, and yeah, I just tried to, there, there was some setbacks, you know, like, I, like I said, I had a couple of long runs where I wasn't able to do what I was supposed to, or not supposed to do, but you know, what was on my schedule. I wasn't able to accomplish them. There was, I remember I had a long run where I think I was scheduled for like 12 and I did three miles. I came back and like rested for like 10, 15 minutes and had to convince myself to do two more. And that was all I had that day. Um, so I was just kind of taking it, like I said, day to day, trying to figure out what what was going to work but my build for that six to eight weeks was was fairly consistent um and pretty pretty good
0: now this was a huge pr for you did this did what would you chalk that up to considering the truncated nature of your marathon buildup?
1: I mean, it's definitely a, a culmination of, of years of work. You know, it wasn't just this season. You know, I've been I've been chipping away at my time for a bit. Um, Boston, I ran 319. Um, and so I think that Boston time of running, you know, breaking that 320 barrier um, on a day like Boston, in my mind, I was like, okay, if I could do 319 at Boston with the weather being what it was, I think I physically was probably closer to being fit enough for like 315. So... Um, you know, going and doing Indian, and thinking, okay, there's a good possibility I can run sub 310 um, didn't seem as big of a chunk when I looked at Boston a little bit more objectively of like, it's not just 319, it's 319 on a crazy, crazy, crazy weather day.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I was actually talking to uh, a friend of mine who's going to be on another podcast episode, Karen Howe, and she ran 3.18 at Boston and had a very similar feeling of like, okay, I think this means I'm at 3.10 or maybe sub 3.10 fitness right now, um, all things considered. And then she ran New York City and just ran 3.10. Is that Karen? Yeah, that's that's, uh, what's it like, you know, How's a Turn Run or Uh something like that on Instagram. Yeah, Yeah. she's
1: awesome. Love her. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And it's a very similar, I think a very similar uh, mind frame that you were in, in terms of trying to take that Boston, uh, that Boston time and say, okay, what does this actually mean? All things considered. Right. And then obviously you have the context of what your training is like. So with all that being said, when you're either talking to your athletes or you're looking at, you know, how you're going to be in the future, what are your thoughts and feelings about, you know, a marathon buildup, like, you know, the, the traditional, you know, 16 week buildup versus, Hey, putting in years and years of time as a runner and having that as a foundation for what is an actual marathon buildup.
1: Yeah. Um, I, obviously the, lo- the the consistency is the key, you know, I've run, um, I I've take, had to take time off for illnesses and and downtime after races and switch gears, but I'm always working on something. So if I'm not training for a marathon specific, I'm training for speed, like 5k, 10k efforts. Um, And always trying to work on building my fitness up. If it's not, like I said, in marathon specific, I'm working in the shorter stuff and just trying to stay consistent with my training. Um, And so it didn't quite matter as much um, to me when I had to take a bit of time off this summer. Like, you know, I know I can, I can finish the marathon and I think even with a bit of time off, I should be able to, to come back. Okay. Just because my fitness was there, you know, I had already been running still like 60 to 65 mile weeks, even before specifically training for um, the marathon. So um, yeah, like the consistency is basically the biggest, I think the biggest support I had going into this race.
0: Yeah. And it's almost like you've, you've put in so many miles over such a long period of time and run marathons on some level, you must be thinking like, all right, I know I can compete the complete the distance. Like that's no longer a factor. Yeah. And you've also gone through like the tough the tough patches. Like how how have the marathon tough patches changed over the last you know four or five years for yeah. you in terms of their intensity and like just the frequency of them?
1: You mean like how like in the actual marathon or in the marathon build?
0: like in the actual marathon?
1: Oh, I think I just learned a lot of, of how to mentally kind of deal with it a little bit better. Um, not a little bit better, a lot better uh, and pace myself a lot better. I've, I've kind of been able to figure out, um, you know, the negative split thing is huge uh, and be able to execute that um, and not, and not get wrapped up uh, in the emotion early on in the race, I think is, is one of my biggest changes that I've made in the marathon um, which makes the end and the harder parts feel a lot better um, when you're the one still feeling good uh, at mile 18, 20, 22, you know, it's a lot easier to keep pushing and even push even faster. Um, and that comes down to running the first 10 K smart. Uh, Jared Ward had this awesome chat Um it was in uh, Boston a couple of years ago. I saw it on online and he had said how you run the first 10 K directly reflects how you run the last 10 K. You know, if you run the first 10 K too quickly, you're not going to be able to run that last 10 K well at all. Um, and that's really stuck with me. Um, and I'm, uh, I've been able to really improve there.
0: Now, did you, do you still have tough patches in races? Like, you know, you know, in terms not races, I mean, in the marathon, like did you have a tough patch in uh, at monumental? Um,
1: to be honest n- not really <laughs> mile 25 my legs hurt but other than that's just that's just normal I mean that's that's running a marathon of course you're like they're gonna hurt in the last couple miles but I felt fantastic and same with Boston um Boston I remember hitting mile 18 and being like I'm so sad this is gonna be over I can't believe like it's almost over and I had never felt like that in a marathon before but that was a negative split race where I had paced myself pretty well and I was still feeling very comfortable and and um, really good at that point. Uh, and same thing for Andy. Like I just felt really comfortable. Um, I, I just, yeah, other than my legs being fatigued, I did not really have any rough patches in that race.
0: So let's go into the race itself. So the first, so let's talk about the first half of the race, uh, in terms of the plan was, uh, from a, from a pacing perspective and how you ensure that you were able to stick to the plan.
1: Like I said, I was very confident that I could run a three twelve, um, and so that's a seven twenty pace. You know, I was confident that no matter what happened, I could at least maintain that effort. So, my goal was to kind of start there. Um, Sorry, between like seven seven thirty to seven twenty was the kind of the limit I set for myself. So, my first two to three miles ticked off around like a seven thirty pace. My third mile, the GPS uh was all wonky. Um it definitely wasn't a low seven like my watch said, but I was running right around there. My first 10K block uh, I clocked in at 723, um, which was pretty spot on with where I wanted to be.
0: Now did you do a a manual lap or you just stick with no, the GPS? I just stuck
1: with the GPS. I never manually lapped it. And to be honest, I didn't after the first 10K, I really didn't look at my watch um very often.
0: Wow, is that is that rare for you, or have um, you built that habit?
1: It's relatively new. I did the same thing at Boston. Um, I once I got past the Newton Hills, I never looked at my watch again. Um, uh, I, going into the finish at Boston.
0: So, when you were preparing for this marathon, did you have runs? That were specifically tailored to kind of progress a little bit faster each mile, or is that something that you can just instinctively knew? Okay, I'm going to pick up a little bit more, and then a little bit yeah. more, and then a little bit so more. So
1: the way that my schedule had me said, it just had me do, you know, like do 12 miles at marathon block, which, you know, I, it didn't tell me to pick it up at the end, but. I've been in that mentality for a while that I've always wanted to be able to execute negative splits. So I try to hold back early and I, I just try to think in my training runs like, okay, if you're supposed to be doing this X amount of block at marathon effort, you know, you need to be thinking at mile, you know, one and two, can I sustain this effort for the next 10 miles if it's a 12 mile block? So if that meant that I was running a little bit slower than pace, that's fine. Um, I never wanted to run too much faster than what I was scheduled for until I got to the end and I knew I wasn't going to, you know, fall off the pace or fall below what I was hoping to um, do for my marathon effort blocks.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what did, what was your time at the half marathon during Monument?
1: It was one thirty five on the dot. Got it.
0: Okay, so you... Shoot, man, you were like pretty close to a half marathon PR in the second half. Yeah, I was
1: actually only 10 seconds off of my half marathon PR in the second half of Indy. Holy cow. (laughs) I'm like, man, I need to update that half PR already.
0: I know, right? So you got to race this weekend. You got to take advantage of this fitness. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Now, were you aware? All right, so you said you weren't looking at your watch. But say, you know, you're you, you your negative splits, and I'd advise anybody to go online to take a look at what they were, because it really is phenomenal. Um, so you were basically in the sixes for the majority of the second half of that race. Did you have an idea of how fast you were running some of those miles? Because you were, like, getting down to, like, the 640s in some of those.
1: Yeah, so, like, at mile – I remember at mile 14, I glanced down at my watch because it beeped, and i was like, where am I? Like, oh, I did look I remember that was the one mile where I did look and it said six, it was like 656 or 657 or something like that and I was like crap you should not be going this fast um and so I pulled back a little bit um uh, but my next mile like looking at it now it was still sub 7 um mile it was like mile 19 or 20 I came up on the 310 pacer or the pace group um and I was like, okay, well, hang with them because that's a 710k. So I was like, that's probably where you're at. I didn't even stay with them for not even a quarter of a mile. I was like, man, they're going slow. It felt slow to me to run that thing. So I kind of knew I was running a bit faster. Um, I was passing some guys who were like, great pace, great pace. So I, I had a feeling that I was dipping in like low sevens. I didn't know it was going to be sixes though.
0: Yeah. So what is your 5k PR?
1: My 5KPR is nineteen
0: forty-eight. Right, which is like, what, like 6.30, 6.35 pace?
1: It's a 6.20, 6.20 something, 22 something, I think. Oh, okay. I'm not 100% okay. sure. I mean,
0: because you were you were almost like touching, you were almost touching that pace right near the end of this marathon. <laughs> and you were pretty darn close to that in the last couple of miles.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was like a combination of the cold weather and obviously being... Uh, just being smart in my pacing, you know, I I had done a couple long runs where I tried to finish at sub seven. um, And that was kind of my goal. I was like, just get it done. Um, And like I said, I always tried to finish with negative splits on those long runs. So, um, but I didn't think that I would be able to touch those paces for that, for that long. I'm sorry. I keep sniffing. So I have a cold. So,
0: (laughs) Oh, the, 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 like the constant post-marathon cold. It's like one of those things like guaranteed to
1: happen. Yeah. My chest was really tight and Indy. And now I'm like, well, of course it was, you had
0: a cold. <laughs> oh my goodness. So did that, I mean, obviously it didn't affect you too much. Were you aware of it while you were no.
1: running?
0: No, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I mean, it's not, it's hard to imagine the race have gone any better than it already yeah. did. Um, that's right. <laughs> for sure. Um, so when you look to the future now, how often, like how far do you usually look from a running perspective when you're looking to set goals?
1: I'd love to break three. you know that's that's definitely my ultimate goal is breaking three. Um, I think it's gonna take me a couple years like that like come on I got lu- not that I got lucky obviously the fitness was there. I didn't get lucky. I worked really really hard to run that 307 but taking off those seven minutes is not gonna be easy right Going from running like a 710 709 pace to dropping down to 650 that's like a whole other world that's gonna take me quite a bit of time to get to and i'm in no rush either i'm i yeah i i got really like i've been very very lucky to have so many successful marathons this year um and i'm gonna just plug away at a, you know little by little and not try to bite off more than i can do that's gonna lead to injuries and and burning out so i'm not like i said not in any rush to get there but that's definitely my ultimate goal is to break three.
0: now have you had goal races in the past year or two that weren't marathons, or were you those shorter races just part of marathon building?
1: Yeah. So this this past summer, I was focusing on the five k. Um, those were goal races. I raced four or five k's this summer. Um, or four or five. Um, and my goal was to break twenty. That was my big goal this summer. Um, and I was able to do that. Uh, and then my next goal will be to break one thirty in the half. Um, which I. I'm certain I could do that. I just haven't had an opportunity to, um, I need to stop running races in Florida, man. It's too hot. <laughs> um, but yeah.
0: I, so you, you, you were, you mean you were sick and it was hot. Like you had like the double, like a double whammy there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But eh, I, my, even my husband said that he's like, you just got to get out of Florida stop running races in Florida. We know they don't go well because celebration was in Florida this year. And yeah, anyway, <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness. That's funny. So what other races do you see in your future that you'd like to run?
1: How many or like any specific ones
0: and any specific ones?
1: Um, I want to do CIM next year. I think, I think that's what I'm leaning towards doing. Um, and then I've got Boston on the schedule. Um, I wanna do I would love to do all the world majors, but once again, not in any rush to do that. I'd really like to be able to um do those world major races with my family. So I'd love to travel and do those the the six um world majors uh and travel overseas and do those. Um, but like I said, when my family's a little bit older and can appreciate, you know, <laughs> going overseas and Berlin and Tokyo and all of that.
0: Right, so you got you the husband, you got the two, your two adorable kids are always showcasing, yes. which are great. I love like the Disney trips. I feel like you live. Do you have like a part-time like residence at Disney? At this no, point? I
1: wish. Um, no, but we live twenty minutes, twenty twenty-five minutes from Disney, so we go every weekend. Um, that, that's so it's so cheesy, but that's part of the reason why we moved to Orlando is to be closer to Disney. It's definitely something that we find. Tons and tons of joy and doing every weekend. So, I think that, that helped with the. Uh, I think that helped with my long run recovery. Was going around and walking around the parks all day.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. That's why I brought it up. Because like, I'll do a long run, and I put long run in quotes here because my long runs are nowhere near marathon runners' long runs. And like I'm dead, like the rest of the day. Like I, I am as my wife can attest, she hates it when I go on long runs because I'm like of no use to anybody <laughs> the rest of the day. Then I see you like bumping around Epcot Center after like a 20 miler, and it's like, oh good <laughs> grief! Like I need to, I need to step up my game here. Uh,
1: well, I mean, you know, with little kids, it's kind of hard to just rest all day. Anyway, we got to get out of the house, got to do something. They're gonna go crazy if I'm just laid up on the couch all day.
0: <laughs> I know, but it's almost like it's like a. Like you, you presented it as like recovery for the long run. I kind of view it as like the long runs even longer. Cause you're like, you must have like 40,000 step. Yeah. Days yeah. No,
1: you're exactly right. They they're usually around like 40,000 steps Um, on those days that we go to the park after my long runs.
0: Like forget about cross training, man. Like that, that is, that's cross training in and of itself.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but It's fun. It's super fun.
0: No, there you go. No, I love it. Well, Mel thank you so much for coming on the show this has been such a fun podcast and I think you're like me we both talk so fast like, we've talked about like so much stuff here like usually like it takes like 90 minutes for me to cover all of this all this stuff so I appreciate you coming on the show um, I know you've already done like the list of stuff that we do at the end of, at the end of every show the list of questions we always cover uh-huh. I am bringing up two two new ones that I want to do uh, with all the guests so I'll, I'll kick those to you now what is your favorite workout
1: what is my I'm sorry, you cut out.
0: <laughs> That's all right. What is your favorite workout?
1: Oh, my favorite workout. Ooh. Um hmm. probably well, definitely speed. Um I, I love doing the fast, fast stuff that you get over with quick. <laughs> um, so I love four hundreds. Those are just I think they're just long enough to like run really, really fast, um, but not so long that you're like suffering at the end.
0: Right track or do you have like a spot on a road near you that you know is a quarter
1: i wish we had a good track um there's one track near us but it's like 20 minutes away from where i live and it's not well lit so most of my speed i do out on like a, on a road and just manually lap it so i just kind of try to keep a uh, close eye on my
0: watch for them got it all right what running moment are you most proud of
1: Probably this weekend, <laughs> probably this weekend and being able to, to execute the end of that race. Um, I'm really proud of that.
0: That's huge. No, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so much fun catching up and congratulations on this just fantastic. accomplishment. Thank you so
1: much. And thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. Have a great day. Sure thank you again, Melissa, for coming on the show. This was so much fun following her, uh, is just one of like one of my like big Instagram favorite things to do. Cause she crushes in workouts. She's straight up real talk all the time. And when she's going through a hurdle or something, you know, medically related, and which is often the case as you heard in this episode, especially this summer She's able to present it in a way where it's like, hey, I'm going to tell you the truth about it, but I'm not going to dwell on the negativity either. And that's, that's a sweet spot that is really difficult to hit. I know I struggle with it. That's for sure. Um, it was kind of why we talked about it a little bit on this episode. So thank you, for Melissa, for coming on the show. It was great. Also, big ups to Run for PRs and Megaton Coffee for sponsoring the episode. If you need a coach, go to runforprs.co. And if you want good, high-quality coffee. Check out Megaton Coffee. In the meantime, and until next time, happy running.